When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, any where and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queen, this amazing Avenue's Smiley podcast. I'm Steve Seiba, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? It's yeah, cold. Yes. Yeah. It is cold, and depending on what the hell goes on between when we're recording and when this podcast goes up on Monday... Either there's going to be a shit ton of snow outside, or there's going to be no snow outside. Nobody yes. freaking knows. I'm going to be very annoyed as the one person here who likes cold weather in the snow. If the one weekend I go out of town, it snows. <laughs> well, I, I think 18 inches of snow, and you're going to be like, God damn it. Yep. Yep. I think we could all unanimously say then, no snow this weekend. No. Please. <sighs> All right, so we have a lot to get to this week, so we're just going to jump right into things, and we are going to be finishing up our 2022 top prospect list. Um, I will go over, I guess, all the names since this is the last week that we'll be doing this, and we are arriving at the end here. So coming in at 25 when we first began our list was Robert Dominguez, 24 is Levi David, 23 is Carlos Cortez. 22 is Travis Blankenhorn. 21 is Junior Santos. 20 is Brian Matoire. 19 is Thomas Zapucky. 
18 is Josh Walker. 17 is Jose Budo. 16 is Dominic Hamill. 15 is Adam Aller. 14 is Jake Mangum. 13 is Eric Orsi. 12 is Calvin Ziegler. 11 is Hayden Singer. And 10 is Jalen Palmer. 9 is Alexander Ramirez. 8 is Nick Plummer. 7 is Khalil Lee. 6 is JT Ginn. And 5 is Matthew Allen. So coming in now at number 4 is third baseman Mark Vientos. And he was drafted in 2017. He was the Mets' second round pick. And they drafted him out of high school. Um, he got sent to the GCL right after getting drafted. Uh, played for Kingsport towards the end of that season. And then played in uh, Kingsport all of 2018. 2019 was his first exposure to full season ball. And it was... A little hit and miss. Um, on the whole, he hit 255, 300, 411 in 111 games, but it was like a tale of two seasons. He hit not that great in the first half, and then pretty damn well in the second half. Now, this season, 2021, kind of the same thing happened. Mm-hmm. On the whole, he hit 281, 352. 581 in 83 games, most of them with Binghamton, and then a couple with Syracuse at the end, with a combined 25 home runs. But his um, splits uh, were were pretty night and day. Um, I'm a stupid head, and I don't have them in front of me. But basically, I don't want to say he struggled early on, but in May he was hitting 231, 279. He was pretty bad. Yeah, 410. But then from June on, basically, he was basically a 300 hitter. Um, let's see, June he hit 324. July he hit 282. August he hit 298. September he hit 286. With an OBP around 400. And a slugging percentage um, around 600. He slugged 775 in June, which is crazy. You want his May stats, Steve? His May stats? No, I said uh, he hit 231, 279. Oh, you got them already, yes. Yeah, yeah, And then okay. in June, he he was, you know, he basically took off from June on. And <clears throat> I spent a lot of time trying to see, like, what the hell changed? Because really nothing in his profile changed. And it it befuddled me. Why is this guy... I mean, a lot of players out there are slow starters, and Vientos might be one of those guys, because now we have two seasons in a row. Obviously, you know, 2020 didn't happen, so we have no data from that. But 2019, he started slow, and then got pretty good in the second half. And 2021 now, he started off slow, and then got really good, you know, in in the... after, after basically a month. And he might just be one of those guys. Yeah, he was striking um, out like almost 40% of the time early on. I was ready to put a fork in him as a prospect. Me too. I was pretty... That is... Uh, having watched a lot of... Yeah, I think he was player of the month for like 
practically the entire month of June. So I started running out of things to say. So I was actually going back and I was looking at like MILB TV and just watching his at bats and something that I noticed, and this might be why he did so much better, you know, in June on as opposed to in in that sluggish May was he started just basically going up to his first at-bats extremely passive and was just taking a lot of pitches, balls, and strikes. And subsequent at-bats, he was hitting better. Um, What is it? I have written down over here. So he was hitting out of the four spot most of the year. And in 20 at-bats in the second inning, so generally speaking, his first at bat of the game. He hit 150, 190, 200. And also, keep in mind, this is all very small sample size. In 34 at-bats in the third, he hit 265, 286, 500. In 30 at-bats in the fourth inning, he hit 300, 400, 476. In 27 at-bats in the fifth inning, he hit 111, 172, 370. In 34 at-bats in the sixth inning, he hit 441, 459, 1. In 27 at-bats in the 7th inning, he hit 333, 406, 444. In 28 at-bats in the 8th inning, he hit 214, 333, 536. And in 22 at-bats in the 9th, he had a 273, 360, 591 batting line. And his strikeout rates were generally about half of that in those later innings as compared to those earlier innings. And the the ebbs and flows do seem to coincide with when he's getting his first look at either a starter or, you know, a little bit later in games when there's a reliever coming in. I just found that pretty interesting. And again, it's something like how we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. I noticed the the difference in Alexander Ramirez's at-bats during daytime games and night games. And, you know, I would need to go back and look to see is this a common kind of thing. With him, with Vientos, I I would need more data to see is this a common thing or is he legitimately learning, like, in front of our eyes here? Like, he's just going up to those at-bats early on and just taking pitches and seeing how the pitcher looks, how his stuff looks, and then he's coming back in those second and third bats and really – punishing the shit out of him. Can I propose a less rosy explanation? Sure. Double A, uh, generally, this is something that is pretty observable, um, was pitching poor this season, shall we say, due to knock-on effects of the pandemic and perhaps just some general happenstance, random fluctuations, what have you. It wouldn't surprise me that bullpens are kind of bad and he's doing more damage the later we get into games. Um, and I say this as one of the two people who rated Mauricio, uh, excuse me, rated Vientos higher than someone else. The other one was you, Steve, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that or this dude, or that or we need to get this dude some, like, leaded coffee from the 86 <laughs> Mets or something just so he gets his motor running. He could use a motor because I don't think that anyone really doubts that he can hit the ball very well. Defensively, though, not the best. Uh, a lot of people have written him off basically as a third baseman already. Um, I'm not really sure why, and the majority of these people have 
I'm willing to bet, have not even seen Vientos play, which I have. And I'm not going to say that he's an, a, an amazing third baseman, because he's not. But he is wholly able to play third base at a decent enough level that I don't think that you could say he's a complete liability. On a scale of one, <coughs> 1 to J.D. Davis, where is his defensive ability at third? Is well, 1 good it? if the scale is yeah, 1 that's to what you say. Davis? Wait a <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, he, he, you think he, he's better or worse at, at third base defense than like a J.D. Davis or any of the like endless cavalcade of not really third basemen that we've seen come through here? I mean, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen J.D. Davis play third base because I don't really pay much, you know, like I don't watch, so I don't know. I just know that he has the reputation of being a butcher, and I would say that I would I would not say Vientos is a butcher. I would say he's not great, but he's not a butcher. Like comfortably below average? Yeah, I mean, if you want to put it on like a scale of 1 to 10 where 5 is completely average, he could be, I would say he's maybe a 4. Like, he's going to make the routine plates nine times out of ten. And I think at upper levels, and and major league especially, like, positioning will help him a lot because his arm is fine. His arm is, you know, average to above average, and it's accurate. And he has, you know, he's played either shortstop or third base 90% of his professional, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, of his baseball career. So he has the instincts to play that side of the infield. He just, you know, doesn't move very fast. Positioning and shifting would would mitigate that to a degree, and that kind of stuff really happens more at the upper levels than in the minors. Obviously, he kind of reminds me of JD Davis in a way, like not one for one, but like a I, similar profile. Yeah, they have similar issues with like velocity and stuff like that, but I think they can hit other stuff. And I don't think Vientos is going to be a bad player. I think he'll be a major league player. I just don't know at what level he will be a major league player. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to start on a good team. He might be like a platoon guy or something like that. But the biggest problem, I wish he was a better defender because it'd be really nice if he could play first, third in the corner outfield spots and be on your bench, but he can't really do that. So, like, yeah. like that's my big issue with him as a prospect is I don't really know what to do with him if he's not... Like, he feels like a guy who's your everyday third baseman on a bad team that you upgrade upon, and then he becomes like a backup corner infield guy, but that's not really useful unless he's a DH. And it gets, it's a weird roster fit because he's kind of limited in what he could do in the field. Pedro Alvarez. Yeah. I was going to say Wilmer Flores. As, yeah, uh, Wilmer Flores. But Jeff and Jarrett have said many times, very yeah. strong Wilmer Flores vibes, even down to, like, um, the swing can kind of be stiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see Wilmer Flores. That's a good one, too. But, like, that type of player. Power for Vientos than yeah. Flores. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Wilmer's yeah. a better contact hitter with less power, whereas Vientos has more power, but he doesn't have Flores's. But still, I mean, it's... That's not comps. a bad comp, yeah. And, like, that's a useful major league player, but, like... Especially if he ends up being, like, um, a guy who really kills lefties. You know, those guys yeah. play forever. Yeah, like J.D. Davis. Like, yeah. Exactly. J.D. Davis, Davis gonna... Flores. I, I could think of, like, 20 examples. The he might not you wind up that's but You wind up, like, non-tendering dude, that dude in year four because you don't want to pay him 7 or $8 million a year. Because, frankly, I mean, you shouldn't in, uh, under... I mean, 
pay all players, whatever. But you know, under yeah. modern roster construction, like you can go sign that dude. So, <laughs> well, I mean, they might the Mets might trade JD Davis and Vientos might do that. So sure, you know, like Vientos might not do that right away, but he's going to be twenty three. Like I could see Vientos being a, I could I think, see Vientos being someone who is in the majors this year. I think Davis is a better bat than people give him credit for. I agree with um, that. So I don't know. Like I think that'd be a pretty great outcome for Vientos. And again, I think Steve and I were the high guys on him. If he gets to J.D. Davis's level of bat, that's a fantastic outcome in my opinion. Um, Even but, Flores is a good outcome. He's a good major league player. Good. Like Flores has played a very long time. Like, yeah. Flores is a good play. He's not, like, amazing. He's not going to be someone that, I mean, Mets fans are going to he, remember He's going to get his 10-year pension. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Mets fans are going to be, or he's not going to be a memorable player outside of New York because of the whole 2015 stuff, but he's he was a good player. Like, he is a good player, and he was a good player on the best team record-wise in baseball last year. Like, if God, he, I even the if Giants he, were the best team in baseball. <laughs> record-wise, I mean, right, like, they had the best record, right? They did. And, they did. It's insane. That's what I meant, like. Best statistic like record win loss wise, not like talent, but that's valuable. Like I'd be t- over the moon with that. Yep, I agree. Also, I have prospect fatigue with him. Just get him to the majors already. I feel like he's been in the system for thirty. I mean, he ended last year at AAA and and performed very well in you know very small sample. So like he I, might if be he gets the ground running, it's not yeah. unreasonable to think he'd be in the big leagues by like I don't know June July. That's an outcome I foresee in that, especially with injuries and COVID and everything else. Maybe it's not a long time like Khalil Lee, but I could see it happening. Oh, I think he's 100% making his major league debut next year. Whether yeah, or not it's more than just a cup of coffee or whatever, I don't know, but yeah. I but that's am for just next year. a little bit concerned, like I said, about the double-A pitching quality question. So I want to see him do it for a month, the triple-A. We should just tell him that it's June. When the season starts, uh-huh. like, like give him one of those personal calendars, but we just mm-hmm. rip off everything until June, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he wakes up, he's like, "Oh, it's June," and he hits three hundred the whole year. You see, I, I think uh, I think <laughs> he holds it up to work. The, I think. He has to get the suck out of the way early, though. You know, uh, it's all part of the process. That now is. that is a skill set you can lever. Like it's better to uh, uh, concentrate all your talent in one spot, one time point, so that's more leverageable than just being the same all the time. Could you have the Mets constantly send him down for the first two months of yeah. the season every year? He's like 30 playing in AAA in, uh-huh. in April because he can't hit in April. And they're like, all right. Phantom, he gets phantom DL stints to start every season. <laughs> no, they it's do if I am and nobody will pick him up because they know. Because they're like, he's terrible now. We can't use him. <laughs> the Mets are playing 5G chess here. That's crazy. Uh-huh. All right. So, yes, that is Mark Vandos prospect number four. Now, prospect number three, shortstop, Ronnie Mauricio. And he was an international free agent. He was signed to the Dominican Republic during the 2017 to 2018 signing period. He signed for $2.1 million, which at the time broke uh, Ahmed Rosario's record. And he... um, Skipped the, the Mets had him skip the DSL completely. They sent him to the GCL uh, in his first season. The Mets continued to be aggressive with him in 2019. They sent him to Columbia. And basically, he was the youngest player in the uh, South Atlantic League that year. And he he held his own. 
Um, he hit 268, 307, 357 in 116 games, which is about league average. But similar to Vientos, although kind of backwards, Mauricio was a lot better early on than he was in the second half. And that probably is because he literally is like an 18-year-old playing in 116 games. So, you know, you get tired, it happens. Um we didn't see him in 2020 because of COVID, obviously. But when we saw him this season, it was like, whoa, because this dude put on probably 20 pounds of just muscle. Um, he showed up to camp beefy. Yeah. yeah. He got beefy. And he he highlighted that beef by hitting uh, 20 homers, which is pretty good for uh, someone so young. All in all, it was not the best season for him. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll explain more in a second. But all in all, the numbers don't really jump off the page at you. He hit 242, 294, 49 with 19 homers, 9 stolen bases, 24 walks, and 101 strikeouts in Brooklyn, where he spent most of his uh, season. And then he got a promotion to Binghamton late in the year because of all the craziness that was going on there with COVID. And he hit basically 300 in 33 at-bats with one homer, two stolen bases, and uh, two walks in uh, – two walks to 11 strikeouts. All in all, um, with Mauricio, it's the, the strikeouts. You can't talk about him without all of the strikeouts. He strikes out a lot. Um, it's basically like a five to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is not good. And he just really swings a lot of bad stuff. His eye is just still developing, so he'll swing it. You know, he, he just doesn't have a good approach, and he just swings at pretty much everything. When it's something that he's able to hit, as we've seen with all these homers, he's able to really punish the ball, but. You know, stuff that's outside of his sweet zone, his sweet spot, you know, he's just a lot of weak ground balls or a lot of strikeouts. I do not think – if I was making this list and wanted to go just crazy with it, which I tell myself I should, I'll do – I'll write what I really believe every year and then I wind up chickening out of it. <laughs> I would have Mauricio like eighth or ninth. So the problem, like I understand why you want to do that, but the Mets system isn't good enough. <laughs> to See, like, I don't, I don't even know that it is. He's got he's, high enough upside where he's like definitely better than who did we have at eight? He, Jalen Paul. His swing decisions are not bad. Yeah, I, I know not what you're horrible. They are catastrophically awful. I mean, I've seen him do crazy stuff like live. <laughs> I and he and the thing is, like, he'll hit the ball, so it's like. And he'll get a hit off of it, and I'm just like, damn, you shouldn't have done that. Like, even if you, even if the the process, the result was good, the process is so bad that when you're faced like, I don't know who's gonna. He, he's be got a, a remarkable you know? amount of like baseball skill. Yes, is the thing is like, um, I've seen him hit balls at his eyes, you know, 420 feet. But he can't yeah, like, fucking hit. He can't. But, hit. He, but yeah, no, he can't hit the the ball that spins pretty much anywhere. Yeah. There, there are three things you want in an offensive prospect, right? You want them to hit the ball hard, hit the ball in the air, and make good swing decisions. And you can kind of get away with the other with, with failing at the first two in certain contexts. It certainly hampers your upside. 
But if your swing decisions are this bad, I mean, like I'm not confident he he strikes out less than thirty percent of the time in Double A next year, even with Double A being what it is, you know. He's he's going to str- especially like pitchers have more of a clue, um, you know, big weaknesses like not being able to lay off pitches out of the zone get exploited a lot more as pitchers get better command. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly confident it goes well. It's just like, just on pure ability alone, he's, he's better than like Jalen Palmer or like Hayden Sanger or on the other guys in that range. Yeah, I think that's it for me, really. I would definitely have the outfielders above him. I'd have Allen above him. Yeah, looking at the list, I think you could, if you're... Hesitant about Mauricio's current ability translating into future success, I think you could reasonably, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash, really rank him as low as like six or seven because you have Ginn, you have Allen, and then you have, you know, Khalil Lee, Plummer. The, the, our our ten nine eight seven was Palmer, Ramirez, Plummer, and Khalil Lee. I could see someone who is very low on Mauricio kind of putting him towards the front of that logjam of of guys who all have a very similar profile, really. They're all kind of power threat free swingers. I don't know. I think five is his floor with Allen and Vientos above him, but I wouldn't put – like, I don't think I put them above him. I don't remember. Yeah, like – Top of my head, but – a healthy Allen, I would have put maybe two. <laughs> like, yeah. But a non-healthy Allen, that's... It's more like, I don't know who else to put that three in the Mets system. Like, everyone... like when yeah, you It's look not at that it, we're high on Mauricio. It's, yeah. We're very, very low on the rest of the Mets it's system. It's like, I, I'm, I'm trying... If you're going to move him down, you have to move other someone else up, and JT Ginn is not the fourth best prospect in the Mets system. Like, he's just not. Like, that's... Because then Vientos would be third in that scenario. So like, it, yeah. Again, it depends on how you value upside. Somebody like Ginn has very little upside, but high floor. Whereas Mauricio, say he gets like twenty percent better at all three of those skills, could be like a very good major league player. You know? Yeah, like he might be infielder Jay Bruce, and that's like a very good player for a while. And my then, counterpoint to that is that the list of guys whose swing decisions are this bad, who figure it out, is vanishingly small. Oh, yeah. sure. I'm not saying no, it's a of course. <laughs> that, that's so, why we're so, talking uh, about him, you know, being very bad at double A next year, potentially. My, my point is that 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 we talk, I think we we conceptualize upside in the wrong way here in terms of. Um, well, well, there are two ways to conceptualize upside here, right? Like there's the, okay, if every single thing goes right, the 90. 90th percentile or above outcome, if you want to conceptualize upside that way, that's fine. At least in my head, you have to account for the probability that that upside is actually reached. And I just and, – and I can't argue with the fact that if you think Mauricio figuring everything out is a better player than all of these other guys, it 100% is. I just think that chance is so low, it's not – I get you. Where, and just for reference, like here are some of the guys with a – walk to strikeout ratio in a sim- at a similar level who have made the major leagues, right? Like Reed Johnson, Jorge Alfaro. Tim Anderson's a standout here, but he's an athletic freak who gets away with a 400 Babbitt every year. Mauricio Jorge Alfaro doesn't count. He's a catcher. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a catcher <laughs> anymore, really. Miguel Olivo. Javier Baez, who has possibly the greatest bat speed of is, any is, player. Yeah, the Javier Baez out there. <laughs> right. No one Jimmy is like Javier Baez. Adam Angle, Aaron Sibia, Riznik, Brinson, Shoop, Jacoby Jones, Danny Santana, Chris. Oh, like, this list is bad. Jonathan Shoop kind of surprises me there, but I guess he doesn't walk, like, ever. And these are the guys who made it. Into the 45 section of the list anyway, where all of these guys are, like, below average regulars, bench pieces. Yeah. Shoop is good. Right, but these are, these are just the guys who have similar rates in the majors. Yeah, if you go to their, the minors, their rates are significantly better in double-A yeah, and triple-A than Mauricio. I mean, look at Ahmed Rosario. Like, he was rightfully a prospect that was like a... a significantly better. <laughs> yeah, and he cannot hit Mauricio. in the majors. Like, he just can't. It's, it's, it's very yeah. obvious at this point he can't do it. I'm really not confident it works out with Mauricio. No, I'm not over... I just think if you squint, like, the ability... He, just so much talent there. I mean, look, the, the, his natural bat path is excellent, which leads to when he makes a – with a rare time, he either makes or lucks into a good swing decision, good things happen because he his bat path is designed to hit the ball hard and hit it in the air. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very low. And it seems like the, the – I, well, I don't know how hard they've been shopping him, but it certainly sounds like uh, no other team really wants him either. <laughs> I could see him being really divisive, where like a team who wants him, like mm-hmm. wants him like super hard because they think they could fix him, and teams are like, no, no chance in hell, like you would if you were GM Lucas, you know, mm-hmm. like yep. you would even you wouldn't even consider it. And I feel like some teams would be like, nah, we got this. We're gonna mm-hmm. turn him into a star, you know. <laughs> Yeah, teams are going to vary in their degree of confidence on what they can fix with him. I, I also think he's, he's just going to be a name. Like, they're going to trade, I don't know, J.D. Davis and Dom Smith to the A's for a couple of pitchers, and they'll throw in Mauricio because he has name recognition and can help him sell, like, a straight salary dump, you know? Yeah, we're not getting Luis Castillo for J.D. No. and Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> no. I mean, if, if, if they do, then, like, just just erect the Billy Epler statue outside of the No kidding. Field. Like, like <laughs> I think that's going to be something that if they do trade him, fans are not really going to like what they get back. And no. you're going to have to explain that, like, yes, most teams don't value this guy. He's anymore. a top like, 100 prospect. Exactly. And it's like, well, yes, he is. And he deserves to be. But also there's a lot of there's a lot of red flags there where he's a guy who falls off the list really quick. And you're like, well, yeah, OK. Like, Khalil Lee was a top 100 prospect. And we know the issues with him, and here we are. He's not a top 100 prospect anymore, you know? And, and, like, and the difference is Khalil Lee makes, like, three orders of magnitude better swing decisions than Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah, it's just Mauricio's a weird player, and I was talking to Jeff Padanastro about this once, but, like, what's his, like, when you look at him as a player, and you look at, you could see a ceiling out of a player, and, like, I could, we could not, like, knock down a solid ceiling. Like, what is he? at his very best, you know? Like, he's such a weird player even when he's going well that, like, it's just, he's just a weird prospect. I don't really Eddie, know. Eddie Rosario, but more power at choice. Yeah, like, you know, like, okay. Like, know. it's all weird stuff when you when you really boil it down because he's a weird player now and he's a weird prospect. Like, he's not, he's very interesting and different. Well, he's <clears> like, <throat> what happens when you take, give a player, like, all of the baseball ability and, like, exactly zero, like, skill? 
you know? No, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pure athletic ability and, and like baseball ability, and then you give them none of the soft skills that are, are needed to make a big leaguer. Yeah, well, like consequence. Just combine him and Jake Mangum. Yep, 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 yep. They always say that double A is, you know, the, the, the delineation point between those that can hack it and those that can't. So next year will be uh, an important year for Ronnie Mauricio. There's a non-zero chance with the amount of draft picks they have and how bad double-A could go that he's, like, not a top-ten prospect next year. Unless a bunch of guys graduate. Or they trade a bunch of guys, but yeah. I mean, Things even, could go really, really terribly. It depends on how well they draft mm-hmm. and how many people they sign. <laughs> how many of the draft picks they actually sign. Uh. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So next on our list, coming in at two, is third baseman... Brett Beatty, and he was acquired by the Mets in 2019. He was their first-round draft pick. Um, clearly, the Mets were listening to our podcast, and they liked Lucas's reasoning, and they drafted him. <laughs> Maybe it was also the fact, though, that in his senior year, Beatty hit 602, 737, 1.306, with 49... 49- Forty nine walks, nine strikeouts, nineteen home runs, ten stolen bases. Plus he also pitched fifty three point zero innings and had a zero nine two ERA with ninety six strikeouts. But I think it was I think it was, you know, the dulcet tones of Lucas's voice that <laughs> Was I the that, one who predicted it or was Thomas yep. No I, I was? Okay. I got Pete Carl Armstrong right now. Oh <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I was so close to getting house right too, and then Ooh. and then oh. let's not talk about the twenty twenty one draft. Brady House would be the I would have him third. I'd probably have him third too. I would probably have him second. Yeah, I'm over, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean it's it's splitting hairs at that point. It, it's a fantasy regardless. Yeah, <sighs> but, but he uh, that's how good he would have been in the system for reference. Yeah. Um, so the Mets sent him to Kingsport in his first year. He hit pretty well there. Um, well, actually, they sent him to GCL first for a couple of games, but then he spent most of the year with Kingsport. Um, he hit 222, 339, 437 with six homers, which is not bad. And then he got a, a quick promotion to Brooklyn. He hit 200, 529, 300 in a couple of games, and then um, also played in a couple of their playoff games, and he went three for nine. Obviously, 2020, we didn't have a minor league season, but 
Um, when he came back in 2021, they sent him to Brooklyn again, but high A Brooklyn this time. And he, I don't want to say impressed us all because obviously expectations are pretty high. We consider him a pretty good prospect, though. But he lived up to those expectations. He hit 309. 397, 514 with seven homers, 24 walks, and 53 strikeouts in Brooklyn. And then he got promoted to Binghamton in June, in the middle of June. And he finished out the season there, and he hit 272, 364, 424. And on the season at both uh, both places, at both levels combined, <clears throat> he hit 292, 382, 473 with 12 homers. 46 walks, and 98 strikeouts. And from a hitting point of view, nothing really changed with Beatty um, this season as compared to the limited stuff that we saw from him in 2019. The biggest change for Beatty was, I think, just his 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 defense, his body, um in 2019, I don't want to say he was fat. He was never fat, but he was a little chunky. He was a little, he had a little baby fat on him. This season, when he came into uh, came into camp, he was a lot more trim. He was a lot more toned down up, and he looked better defensively. Um, when I saw him with Kingsport at third base i did not come away particularly impressed he he kind of seemed very much like vientos in that you know he could throw well and he could get to balls that he could get to but his range was just kind of eh. this season he looked a lot better um he's still not going to be like an amazing third baseman he's yeah. still a little bit slow in terms of the quick twitch stuff but he looked better and again, same thing like Vientos. At higher levels, positioning will mitigate a lot of this stuff. Um, we didn't mention this with Vientos. They, the, because obviously these two guys basically are, defensively are kind of mirror images of each other. They both are primarily third basemen that they're having them fool around at first base and in the outfield. Um, I think Beatty actually was can be a solid outfielder because, like I said, he is kind of slow, but he's one of those guys that once he gets going, he's he's all right. He just doesn't have, like, a quick first step. Yeah, like, he'll, he'll be like a – you could put him out there and it won't, like, kill you, but, like, Vientos is, like – Yeah, Vientos doesn't – Davis level up. Like, he cannot – like, right. don't do it. Like, that, like, I understand why they're doing it because they're going to be at the same levels, but that's just – to get his bat in the lineup. Like, that is not a viable thing you could do with him. At the, yeah, at the I, I think with some more experience, Beatty could probably become a, a decent enough outfielder, whereas Vientos, he just doesn't have the foot speed. Yeah, like, I don't think he's... This is Chris Bryant here, where, like, even though Chris Bryant grades out pretty badly defensively now, but, like, in the outfield, I'm, I should say. But, like, where he you could actually play him there for stretches of time, and it's fine. Like, I even Beatty, I don't think we'll get that good, but... He'll be good enough where, like, if he has to do it for, like, two weeks, it's whatever. Right. It's not he, – he, you're not going to – it's not due to in the outfield. I yeah. could see him being, like, a comfortably below average to, like, average defender there. Yeah. Like, yeah. just not going to butcher you, but also – Dude's just a gamer. Yeah. Like. 
But enough about his defense, though. Who talks about Brad Beatty's defense, man? It's the bat, obviously, that is... It's in the name, Steve. He's not Brett Glovey, am I right, folks? Oh, God. That's the name of the podcast. That might be a 20-grade name right there. I don't know if I have... I don't know if I have the ability to fire you, but you're fired. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's a good hitter. And he's a very um what's a what's a, what's the right way of putting it? complete hitter. Yep. I think though, and and I don't know. My this is my hang up with him. I think I would rather see Beatty just go balls to the wall slugger than do what he's doing right now and try to be a hitter that hits. If that makes sense. Do you want him to go full post, uh, post-Mets Daniel Murphy and just swing completely straight up in the air? <laughs> I, I want to see Brett Beatty become Adam Dunn. I don't want to see none of this 270, you know, t- 270, 330 with, 20 homers. I want to see fucking 200 with fucking 50 homers. You know? <laughs> he could probably do that, too, if he actually wanted to. Yeah. Or tried to, I should say. He goes back up the middle and goes to the opposite field a lot. And I mean, a lot of his home runs are opposite field, too, which is Yes, lot. yes, which is good. That's really where I think more and more of the power is going to show up. Um, so I, I think the whole field approach is going to play to his advantage long term. Because it's just like effortless the way he goes the other way. Yeah, there's and, uh, and goes the other way with with power. Right, he's not just little dribblers. Like, that he, like he hits you know how we said about drives. David Wright, how David Wright had most of his power or primary power to to right center uh, or left center. Oh, um, right center. You were right the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I could see I, – I think that's an advantage, not a strength. And maybe, like, the approach isn't working because it needs to be fine-tuned a little. But um, I don't I mean, know. He, I could, he could hit the ball in the air a little bit more. Like, I'm not worried about it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be, like – like, I'm not going to necessarily sweat over his, his ground ball rate right now. Like, I get that it's a little too high, but also – like, I don't know, Brett Brady doesn't give a shit about his ground ball rate right now. Like, and <laughs> he's 22 and in double A, like, he's like, whatever, dude. But, like, I don't see a reason for why he hits so many ground balls, and therefore I'm I'm not really worried yeah, about Yeah, like, I you know what I mean? I think it's a thing that's happening, not so much a thing he's trying to I, Like, I, I wouldn't touch the swing for anything. I think it, it's, like, perfect. Uh, very quiet, extreme bat speed, good bat path, um, and generates a ton of backspin. Like, that's exactly what you want in a power. He game. has, like, the perfect modern bat path, I think. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so why he's hitting the ball on the ground, I don't really know, but. It's going to be funny if people, like, hand-wrung oh. about that and it was random and it just happens, like a thing that, like a weird aberration. I mean, I sure hope my hand-wringing is for nothing. And to be clear, <laughs> I'm still very high on Beatty. Yeah. Jarrett has been trying to trade for Beatty for, like, a year and a half for me in our fantasy league, and I just keep telling him no. <laughs> but but the path looks great. The opposite field power is there. He puts on a show in batting practice. There's loads of backspin. So why the fuck is he hitting the ball on the ground this much? I have no idea. It's so weird. Like nothing Lucas, he could. 
Baseball's like ninety nine percent random. <laughs> it's not that random. Like, <laughs> no, but there's so much fucking noise. <laughs> like, you need a lot of noise. Like, all right, all right. Let's be real here. It would be good for a hitter like this to have a ground ball rate around forty percent, maybe forty five percent. Beatty was at sixty one in double A. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so he was high. at fifty one, almost fifty two in 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 high A. Like that's uh, again. There there are some people who are way too concerned about this. Who are like, no, he's not a top prospect at all. Yeah, he definitely is. It bothers me. It bothers. It's like the it's like the prototypical pitcher with the nasty stuff who doesn't strike people out. It's the the Noah Syndergaard but batter. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's weird too because like when you watch him, there's nothing that I would say. Oh yes, that's sixty one percent ground ball rate. Yeah, exactly. Again, like, again, like the aesthetically perfect swing. Like nothing about it, and like and then he he does. I mean, the stats aren't lying. Like obviously, they're he's doing that. So it's just strange that it happens. And like, if his why? ground ball rate was like fifty two, I wouldn't care. Yeah. And I mean, it could be. It could end up fifty-two. And it. In well, I don't. If it ends up fifty-two long term, he's significantly less good than what we're saying because it's going to cap the power potential. Sure. Yeah. Again, I think I'm a big fan. I think he's a top twenty prospect in the league. Just a little. There, there's a reason we're not talking about him in the same breath as say. He's not as good as Spencer Tarkelson and Riley Green. Uh, there's well, a reason we're not talking about him as like 8 to 10. We're talking more about him in the 15 to 20 range in all of baseball. There's a reason he's two on this list. I, I will agree with that. I will say I think he's like a little bit of noise and a little bit of legitimate improvement away from being there. I don't, don't disagree. I don't and he's only agree. 22. I, I really believe in the power. Time. Like... Coming out of the draft, the idea was that he was going to hit for a ton of power and probably not hit for a particularly good average. Mm -hmm. I think he's blown me away with his ability to put the bat on the ball um, based on that report. Way, way way better than advertised um, at hitting for average. Which means if he doesn't get to all of the the power that we know is in there and have seen at times, um, that's fine. But... You know, I still really, really believe in the power. I do too. Again, like um, I, I, you know, for reasons, I guess beyond my control, I only made it to one game this year. Uh, but I happened to see Batty, you know, put a ball up in the air that just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, I could. T- his the stuff that he when he makes contact with it off the bat, you're just like, oh. And then it just keeps going, and it just yeah, keeps going. No, and, and, and to me, going. to me, that that's all backspin. That, that's mm-hmm. what everybody always said about Albert mm-hmm. Pujols. Not that, that that's not a comp, obviously. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Brett Batty is first. Albert Pujols. I, I, I believe on this podcast, I've done a similar thing with Juan Soto. Um, so Brett Batty is either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think he's going to get enough of it into games where he's going to be something really, really good. The. And just going back to like the three points, he makes really he makes good swing decisions. He hits the ball hard, and when he hits the ball in the air, it works. Just needs to do it more often. That's that's all I'm saying. Like I, I yeah. again, I can't reiterate how I am very high on Beatty. I'm just slightly more concerned about this one point. And there's also like perfect prospects aren't really 
like how many of those happen, you know? Yeah, like, I wish, yeah, I, I wish Brett Batty was Bobby Witt. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. But e- even with Alvarez, there's going to be some stuff that will be like, oh, yeah, that's a bit of a concern, but also, he's number two, I'm completely Brett Beatty-pilled, and, and let's go, I can't wait to see him play in the majors, because that'll happen pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, like we were saying before about Vientos, it's, it's, Beatty's promotion is pretty imminent, and I would not be surprised if it was this upcoming season either. I do kind of feel bad for Vientos that, like, he's been making strides, and he has been, and then Brett Beatty is like, I'm also a third baseman. <laughs> and then it's like, well, all right, uh, that's fun for him. Like, he's probably just like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, it's never a bad thing to have guys that are good that are all playing the same. Oh, no, of course not, for the math. But, <laughs> right, I mean. It's also a good chance they all don't end up playing that position. Right. It well, also might be a DH, so. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty but, of things yeah. that can happen. Get well, good hitters. <laughs> oh, of course. Play. I'm just saying, like, for purely, like, Mark Vientos is probably a little annoyed. <laughs> well, there's only one prospect better than Mark v- uh, than Brett Beatty, as voted by us in the Mets system in 2022. Unfortunately, that guy is not Tim Tebow. I think no, he's he zero. prospect zero. He's zero. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. All right, that's good then. <laughs> um, so prospect number one then is catcher Francisco Alvarez, and not only is he the crown jewel of the Mets minor league system, but he is one of the best prospects in all of baseball. Period. They signed him in 2018 out of Venezuela. They signed him to a Mets record 2.7 million dollars. They broke Ryan Mauricio's record by quite a bit. And they delayed his professional debut for a year. He made his uh, debut in 2019 instead of 2018 with the GCL Mets. So he's another guy that skips over the DSL. And um, as a 17-year-old, he basically forced his way off the GCL Mets because he was just doing so good. Yeah. And then in the Appalachian League, as a 17-year-old, he hit uh, 282, 377, 433, as, you know, uh, basically two-thirds of his game were at catcher, and then the other third were his DH. This season, kind of the same thing happened. Um, The Mets sent him to low-A St. Lucie to start the year. He was, again, one of the youngest players in the league, but he was hitting an insane uh, batting line. It was 417, 567, 646 in in the month of June with two homers, 15 walks, and seven strikeouts. And regardless of your age, when you're hitting like that against guys that are in some cases two, three, four times your age, that warrants promotion. So the Mets promoted him to Brooklyn. Um, in, in Brooklyn, he was basically four years younger than the league average and it was pretty good. Um, there was some peaks and valleys, but all in all, he hit in Brooklyn, 247, 351, 538 in 84 games with a Brooklyn Cyclone record 22 home runs, 
40 walks and 82 strikeouts. Obviously, he wasn't able to keep up the pace that he <laughs> set for himself in St. Lucie, but it would, I mean, if he was able to do that, then he would be unanimously the best prospect in baseball, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, what makes Alvarez special is that he's pretty much good at everything as a catcher, as a young catcher. His bat, his ability to hit for average is good. Um, he can hit for power. He walks. Behind the plate, he's a good um, receiver. He's He's got a good arm. Um, the Mets are kind of toying around with the way that he catches to make his ability to frame pitches a little bit better. So Yeah, that's his big defensive weakness. Yeah, he's That's still the like the most important thing, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's still kind of, you know, uh, adjusting to that and the other aspects of catching, you know, basically catching and throwing while framing all at the same time. But I mean, you know, if, if your biggest weakness as a defensive catcher at, as a 19-year-old is that you need to frame better and throw better while framing. I mean, that's, I'm not going to say it's nitpicking, because, I mean, that is something that you're going to have to do better as a, as a major leaguer. It, it is something that's going to come up a lot. But it's not like we're saying, you know, this guy is, he needs to learn from the ground up here. He's not a butcher behind the plate. Yeah. And there's no. pretty strong evidence in recent years that framing is a, it's not one of the, you can't teach range on some level, right? But framing is a teachable skill. Yeah. Can't teach your shortstop to be like to, to to have viable range for the position, but you can teach your catcher to frame better in most instances. I mean, a lot of catching is teaching. Like, so of mm-hmm. course, there's innate talent to it. Like, he's never going to be like Ivan Rodriguez or something. But like, like you could teach up a catcher because a lot of it is like the mental skills of calling a game and the like. Framing is a physical skill that you could learn. Like I learned how to frame when I was catching. Like I learned how to do it, and I got better as it as I played. Like blocking pitches is something that you could learn. Like really, some of it is natural with, especially with arm strength. And I mean, it's instincts and stuff. But it's just something you could learn. He could learn how to be a better catcher. We should make the point as we're. Before we go deep on the defense here about his offense, he hits the ball stupendously hard. Just, just so hard. There are three guys who hit the balls hard, balls harder than him. It's Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, and, and, uh, Jordan Walker. That's okay company. Like, <laughs> none be. of them are playing catcher. That's a corner outfielder, a first baseman, a third baseman who's probably a first baseman, and <laughs> then a catcher. Aren't they all like three years older than him too? Yeah, uh, like Walker is older, I think. Since I will check. Roughly the same age, I think, for Walker and maybe yeah. Rodriguez. Walker is two thousand. Rodriguez is the same age, I think. Maybe Walker's younger older. than him, actually. Oh, wow. he's a twenty twenty one drafty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Cardinals Devil Magic. God. Draft a random prep bat in the mid-teens, and he's a top-ten prospect. It's almost like they're really good at scouting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Didn't we say we're not going to talk about the 2021 draft anymore? <laughs> uh, he was a 2020 draftee. It's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can the, talk. Um, here's the one 
and I'm like squinting real hard to find a wart here, right? There, we talk a lot about catchers having to move off the position eventually. Most of the time, that's talking about a larger catcher who can move to first base. That's not Francisco Alvarez. He is general, genu, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Generously listed at 5'10. He's probably more like 5'8, right? Yeah, probably. He's a, a portly 233 pounds. Athletic for his size, like, it's all muscle, off a height and doesn't put him really in the make him run any faster. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, and, and, and he's, he's not, like, a disaster defensively, so it's not, if something happens and the catcher defense doesn't work out, he's kind of a DH only. It's, like, too short for first, and I don't know. Are we going full out. Pablo Sandoval? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's like the only critique I could come up with, aside from just general comments about catcher attrition, which are fair. I think he's going to hit enough. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, when, like when we were talking about the catcher defense, like I don't think he's ever going to be a gold glover or the best defensive catcher. I mean, that's going to be some random backup probably, or Austin Hedges if he's still around. Adam but Rutschman. like. Yeah, like it's going to be stuff like that. Like he's not Adley Rutschman because no one really is. Right, but Adley Rutschman's legitimately, legitimately an eight. Yeah, like, but even if he's like an okay defensive catcher, like when you compare him to the other catchers, he's just gonna if he combines that with his like offense, the offensive value, yeah, is so and, significant out of that spot. It's not going to matter that yeah. his that he's not a Gold Glover. Like it'll be nicer if he also, was, but also they're just going to bring the automatic strike zone anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, if framing is his worst aspect, then all of a sudden we have robo-umps like year three into his career. Just then. keep the ball in front of you and hit dingers. You'll be fine. Yeah, were, we're going to get a lot more guys like him catching. There were a grand total of 12 catchers last year who posted above-average WRCs. One of them was Eric Haas. Don't see that happening again. Another one was Luis Torrens, who isn't really a catcher. And, like, Eric Haas or Haas, whatever how you pronounce it, he yeah. plays, like, left field and right field and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. Like, it's not like he was just catching either. And, like, heavily leveraged against lefties, right? Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I had him in fantasy. Uh, but, uh, like, he wasn't – when if we're talking about strict catchers, like, it's just they don't hit. They they, they don't – like, it just doesn't happen. And you when they do, they're Buster Posey and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe someone could do that. Or Yadier Moran. I'm going to actually unicorn. be sad yeah. for a moment. Yes, Monty Grandal at a 159 weight and runs created plus last season. And he also hit like 160 because he had the most hysterical 240, season. <laughs> 240, 425, 20. Don't worry, though. The Mets got Wilson Ramos. I remember it was buried in like some LA Times article that the Mets were like extremely close to signing him and they messed with the with the structure and he was like, change it and I'll sign. And they were like, no. <laughs> Well, and then he went to Milwaukee. Great decisions abound. <laughs> it was like really real weird. Though, it was in don't me. Yeah, I really wanted Grendel. Like, so I don't think like Alvarez might projecting anyone to post one forty or higher weighted runs created plus is probably insane, and he's never going to be the god tier defender that Grendel was, and not really is. But he's still good. Um. This is a really, really good prospect. This, this is what they look like, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no other way to put it. He's in in my mind, and this is largely because I did not like Ahmed Rosario as a prospect. 
Um, he is the best hitting prospect the Mets have had since David Wright. Oh, yeah. I was going to say he's by far – we've seen some very good prospects come through since I, I started following this really closely. He's, like, far and away the best that I've seen up close. And there's a lot of growth really left disagree. for him, too. Yep. Know, which is, like, it's fun to see Yeah, that. there's a ridiculous amount of projection left in the offense. I, I do want to say, though, please stop being like, oh, he'll be a Met in two years. Like, he's probably not because he's a catcher. Like, they're going to have to slow burn him. I'm a little worried they don't slow burn him and they try to, like, rush him along because he's so good. But, man, he's a catcher, dude. He's still got to learn how he, to do that, too. I, like, I think, realistically, they're going to leave him in double-A all of next year, regardless of his performance, and then triple-A yeah. the, the, the year after. Uh, just because, again, he's a catcher and extremely young, and you don't really see catchers that young. Yeah, like, he, it, good it, reason. It, it would be, like, record-setting young. Like even within the next two or three years as a catcher, like it just doesn't happen. I could see the year after just not having anything else to do, putting him in maybe like a timeshare with whoever the incumbent is, just to like get his feet wet. Yeah, he'll start off as a backup. I I could see that. I mean, not even like a backup, like two catchers splitting, like like an even like what we always say they should do. Uh, I mean, what pretty much everyone should do unless they have their buster. Yeah, unless you have like Will Smith catching. Yeah, Will Smith is the modern one, I guess. Which is a Lucas favorite, I'm pretty sure. Mm, yes, yes. Be good. He's so good. But yeah, like, I mean, also, he's a catcher, man. Like, if it works out, the uh, the surplus value of having a catcher who could actually play both sides Literally, of it's the like ball three like, of them in the game at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. It just, that's, that's, I mean. The biggest advantage you could possibly have, I think. I mean, 2015, like, Travis Darno was such a good offensive catcher that year. Like, oh. and that. And that was such a boon for the offense because it was when you line up the, lo- the lineups next to everyone, he, they, the Mets won that roster spot almost every time because this he could hit. This whole conversation is so depressing because we <laughs> realize how bad the Mets' catching situation has been through their own fault. Yeah, because he could threw, still play. He never played. They threw Travis Darno away for nothing. They didn't sign Excuse you. <laughs> what did he do that got him rage cut? He he but came back from Tommy John, like, had nine bad plate appearances, and they cut him. Yeah, he came back from Tommy John and looked really bad, like yeah. offensively. For and twenty-five just, plate appearances. Yeah, and they just DFA'd him, and I, I was like, all right. And then immediately <laughs> and, and that's signed by the Dodgers and the Rays, <laughs> the two teams <laughs> that would tell you you fucked up. And, and they waited long enough, so they had to pay him. Yeah, they, his like, <laughs> arbitration salary was guaranteed. Uh, Jeff yeah. and Fred Wilpon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. And now uh, he's good. I mean, he's never on the field. But when he does you know who's Wilson. not bad? Francisco fucking Alvarez. <laughs> please save us, Alvarez. Please. Oh, God. The Mets. The Mets. Catchers, well, are, catchers are weird. I really hope this isn't weird. <laughs> like, no, nothing of that. This is weird. It would really <laughs> bum me out. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. Our obsession over the history of Mets failure at catchers just a little bit weird, I think. <laughs> Never underestimate the Mets' ability to Mets. I mean, yeah. even Kevin Ploiecki could play now. Like he's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's like an average backup. Like he's. I, I, well, the Mets, the Mets could one hundred percent use Kevin Ploiecki. <laughs> the Mets' catching situation would be better with Ploiecki and Nito splitting the time in a yeah. weird platoon that doesn't make any sense than McCann. Getting Ploiecki would arguably be the best catcher in the Mets right now. Yes, because he's like an average hitter. Yeah, not and, because of any 
you know, talent of Kevin Pilecki, but because James McCann is really bad. Well, in a year or two, we're not going to have to worry about that because Francisco Alvarez is going to be, I'm going to say, six-time All-Star before <laughs> everything is said and done. Seven. I can't wait till he gets his, like, really, like, 32-year-old gold glove that he doesn't deserve because he, he hits his time and, like, some, like, Montreal Rays fan is pissed that their that their 24-year-old catcher didn't win uh, the gold glove or whatever. That's well, going to be great. I mean, I've I've said this for like years now. Fuck the Montreal Rays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alvarez is their best prospect, and I don't really think you could argue otherwise. Even though I love Beatty, like he's like nice. if if Beatty had a forty percent ground ball rate, I would have Beatty over Alvarez. There's a wart. There are no warts with Alvarez. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much. Can I just say, screw the Orioles for ruining my prediction about him being the best catching prospect in baseball. <laughs> you know, I feel like we should give that one pounds. on a technicality. Like, <laughs> did the Orioles I, really do that though? Like, what did they do? They just they drafted him. <laughs> I think that we should give it to Ken on a technicality. That, like, uh, Adley Rutschman should have been up. I'm always going to be salty about that. He should have been up two years ago. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Adley Rushman this year at 23, it hit 285, 397, 502 across two different leagues. As With, an eighth defender behind the dish. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I think that Almost needs like a little any bit more team development. Team yeah, yeah, more development time, Steve. You're right. He's got to work. <laughs> got to work on his like uh, bat flips or something because he certainly doesn't need to work on his defense or his offense. He oh, throws oh. very well with his right arm, but have you seen him throw with his left? <laughs> Trade. He hit three twelve four oh five four ninety in triple A. And they didn't promote him. Who did the, the Orioles run out of catcher this year? Oh probably someone. Pedro absolutely. Severino? It that honestly might be correct. I will look this up. I will consult the Google. Well, that's one good thing with the Mets is that they haven't really played too many games in that regard, and when a player seems ready, they have been willing to call these players up, so I mean, like, I'll, I'll say they did well with Pete Alonso, bringing him yeah. straight up, but also he should have been up the year before. Uh, mm, no. I, I understood. Like, I, I at least understood the reasoning there because the defense was still, like, a question and everything else. Like, the Russian stuff is just them really not. No, it's really that. egregious. Yeah, that's like, that's like you could, he could absolutely file a grievance. I mean, he wouldn't win because if Chris Bryant doesn't win, then no one in the history of grievances is ever going to win. But <laughs> because that one is like, they almost basically put it in the paper that they are, that they are manipulating his service time. But like, Rushman should have been up way before this. I can't believe he's going to be 24 and about to make his debut, I guess. Because the only guy on their depth chart right now was someone named Jacob Nottingham. At catcher, it's Nottingham, so. who was uh, traded in the Chris Davis deal. Yeah, he's been Roots. like yeah, bouncing mm-hmm. around since then. Yeah, he's been like an, on a hundred teams. I feel, but that's a good 18th century baseball name. It is, Steve. That's a good call. Yes, I am Jacob of Nottingham, <laughs> a Brooklyn Superboss superstar. <laughs> oh, it's... Definitely be canceled like 80 years after being. 
accepted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, some book comes out that he was like horribly racist, and it's like, yeah, all right, that makes sense for Jacob. The dude, like Ty, if everyone always said about Ty Cobb, <laughs> like it's 380 with an ISO of 20. <laughs> he slugs also 380 and wins the MVP. He would need like a better. Jacob <laughs> he would need like a good old timey nickname though. Like Jacob is Nottingham. It's like whatever. But if he was like. Gumby Handlebar Nottingham. because of his mustache. Yeah, Handlebar Nottingham. Now that's a that's a ball player. He caught with no glove. Not he, he just caught barehanded. And they the Handlebar the mustache was his glove. <laughs> he actually caught the ball with his mustache. <laughs> uh, We've really lost show? the thread here. DLDR. Oh God, Steve. Yeah. Boba 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 Boba. I'm, okay. I'm happy that that was not like a fever dream that somebody no, else... No, it was on Toonami or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's better to not even go down that route. So, yes, Francisco Alvarez, good prospect. And all of the guys that we talked about today, good prospects. And 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 let's go Mets. I don't know. Hopefully everyone works out. Can I Hopefully can I ask a go. final depressing question because I do think it's worth having a firm answer on. Sure. Where would Kumar Rocker have been? <sighs> I would put him number two. I'd have him after Batty. I probably put him three. Three for me. Yep. So two, three, three, three. Yeah. Uh, unanimously again top uh, pitching prospect here. Oh, yeah, top because of Allen being her. I mean, even if healthy Allen, I'd probably put him over Allen. Yeah, I would. I would I'd, I'd have him at two if, if not for the, the arm history stuff from before. You'd have him over Beatty, so. really? Right, that's actually if, a good No, if, if he looked like he did um, his sophomore year, not his junior year is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, that's fair, because junior year he had some weird stuff going on. Mm. Yeah, if, well, I mean, I think my affection for Francisco Alvarez is what it is, so uh, I wouldn't have him at one, but... If the yeah. stuff maintained uh, from his sophomore year, I'd probably have him too. That's yes, that's a that'd very be good probably the best top three in baseball. I'd say. Yeah, it would be hard to argue that. Uh, but such is life. Yeah, such is they got life. they got such that sweet sweet top pick life. or whatever. Uh, the Tigers have Torkelson Green and then Jacob Jackson Job. That's a lot lower. So yeah, probably the best top three. Which is funny because the system would still be bad, but fifteenth <laughs> or something. But with the best top three, yeah. Um, Orioles would have Rutschman, Rodriguez, and that's a fun one. That's a fun one. And Colton Kowser, who I actually really really like. I like Colton Kowser. I really like that. Would be that's a fun one. That would and be. But similar. like we're talking about like Batty at you know maybe eighteen or something, Rocker at like eight. <laughs> and Alvarez at like thirteen, yeah, or something. Oh, the Mariners might have the best case. Oh yeah, with sure. Julio Rodriguez, Noel V. Marte, and George Kirby, who dropped a bit, but still generally well regarded. Rodriguez is so good. Uh, they could have they moved over like no money. Let's let's not do this again. <laughs> But uh, I've done this so many times. Talking about Mariners prospects, and I started thinking of some other guy, and I was just like, you know, Who? What, shut want. your whore mouth! No. I don't even <laughs> want to bring this guy up. I'm just we don't say the K word. I'm just gonna sigh and move on. Yep. Yep. 
All right, well, that is our uh, 2022 top prospect list. I encourage everyone to give us questions, feedback, whatever, and we can discuss all that kind of all, all that stuff next week. Um, you know, we'll talk about our rationales behind where we put everybody and what we think and blah blah blah, all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, again, if anyone out there has uh, – any of our listeners have questions about this, blah, 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 comments, whatever, you can send us an email. We'll talk about all that stuff next week. Obviously, our email is from complex to queens at gmail.com. Same thing. You can do the same thing on Twitter. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at elvlahost343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get a podcast from, rate and review. And of course, we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.